First you tell us that it is manly to keep your word. All right, if you are a man, you keep your word. And now all that the black people in this country are demanding, and even the black people in the whole world are demanding, is that you keep your word. You told us we were free. Well, then show us that we're free. You told us that there is justice, equality for all in this country. Well, then stick to your word and let us see the justice and equality for all. Or else admit to us that you're not a man. You're a word. You're afraid of us. You're afraid to give us equal stand. You're afraid that if you give us equal ground that we will match you and we will override you. And if that's what you're afraid of us, then, then tell us that just what you're afraid of. January 6th was a disgrace. American citizens attacked their own government. They used terrorism to try to stop a specific piece of domestic business they did not like. Fellow Americans beat and bloodied our own police. They stormed the Senate floor. They tried to hunt down the Speaker of the House. They built a gallows and chanted about murdering the vice president. They did this because they'd been fed wild falsehood by the most powerful man on earth. Because he was angry, he lost an election. Former President Trump's actions preceded the riot for a disgraceful, disgraceful dereliction of duty. The House accused the former president of, quote, incitement. That is a specific term from the criminal law. Let me just put that aside for a moment and reiterate something I said weeks ago. There's no question, none. That President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. The people who stormed this building believed they were acting on the wishes and instructions of their president. And having that belief was a foreseeable consequence of the growing crescendo of false statements, conspiracy theories, and reckless hyperbole, which the defeated president kept shouting into the largest megaphone on planet Earth. Good evening, petty people. I am your host. This is GW. This is the Politically Petty Podcast Show. What's going on, people? This is the Sunday Side Eye Review. 
And what you just heard there was the former, and I do mean former, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And what I love about it, folks, now they want to talk about that one word again, unity. Remember, I said that a couple of episodes back. Now everybody wants to be unified. Now they want to come together. Now they want to find their Jesus moment. Isn't that tripped out how it goes? So listen, sit back, lend me an eardrum, as usual, on a Politically Petty Podcast show, these flows are rated E for everybody. So grab Kiki and them, yes, and your little cousin, but especially Kiki and them. I got something special for you. I got a couple of clips that I want to play today. And of course, you just heard, like I said, former Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. Need to vote that buster out real quick. But his day is coming. Because they're in the midst of a civil war. Right now, they're trying to figure out if they're going to go with the Mitch McConnell side of the Republican Party or the Marjorie Taylor Greene QAnon type. You know, the Kevin McCarthy. The one that told Donald Trump, like, hey, these aren't Antifa types. These are your people. And he said, Kevin, maybe they're trying to fight harder than you are for the election. Ain't that a trip? And he said, what? Who the fuck? you talking to i actually give him credit can you imagine telling the president of the united states hey, who the fuck you think you talking to he got a little bit he got about a short hairs but again hey this is the sunday side i review this is the post impeachment show and you know i got something for you so listen what i gotta do <clears throat> i'm gonna play a couple of cuts for you let me fade this down you know, we start off with the uh, 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 music. It's a politically petty. This is like my steroids. I need the music behind me. Get me going. This is how I'm feeling. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to play a couple of clips for you. And we're going to start off with uh, Lindsey Graham. Oh, yeah, old Lindsey. Mr. Hated It himself from South Carolina. And this is the interview that he had with uh, Chris Wallace this Sunday, and uh, you guys know how I feel about my Sunday show, so I, I listen to everything. So listen to this, and I'm going to interject, and you tell me, you guys tell me what you think. The Senate voted yesterday 57 to 43 to acquit former President Trump in his second impeachment trial. Freeze it. Now, what the significance of that 57 to 43 vote and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Glenn, it's not the 67 that we needed, you know, the, to impeach him and convict him. But it is the most bipartisan impeachment trial vote that we've had in U.S. history. And that's significant. Now, many people think that, I don't know, this is Joe Dieters and he's down there, you know, throwing charges at the get lit party, you know, world star uh, producer. No, this, this is different. Impeachment trials are political. But there also is some use for it, and especially after what we saw on January the 6th. But again, this was the most bipartisan impeachment trial, I guess you wouldn't say conviction or guilty pleas, when which a party from the other side, the party that's being accused, actually said, hey, we have something wrong here. Again, it's only seven, but hey, the Democrats showed up, so the hell with it. But let's get back to, uh, as we say, BDP, let's move on. Seven Republicans broke party ranks 
to join with all 50 Democrats, making it the most bipartisan vote ever to convict a president. But it was still well short of the 67 that, votes needed to find him guilty. In a moment, we'll speak with Republican Senator Lindsey Graham, who was in the center of the action. But first, let's freeze it. Now, this is, the, this is what kills me about Lindsey Graham. Now, apparently, he's going down to talk to Donald Trump. And he's going to go down and talk about the future of the Republican Party. Now, Democrats, if you're out there, you're probably saying, well, let me say this. You hardcore, hardcore politicos out there that understand the, the whole idea that this party has to choose between, again, Mitch McConnell wing, who I guess all of a sudden found Jesus. If A, they are willing to admit publicly that Donald Trump is responsible for his sins or for getting that crowd together on January 6th. But again, we're going to go back to Mitch McConnell and uh, we're going to finish off with Chris. To him last night, he was grateful to his lawyers. He appreciated the help that all of us uh, provided. Um, you know, he, he's ready to move on and rebuild the Republican Party. He's excited about 2022. Freeze it. Now, before, I, I kind of cut, cut the clip off a little bit, but he asked him about the president and his, you know, attitude and what's he thinking right now. And, of course, Lindsey being the pool boy that he is, his own uh, Trump personal smolet, he's given this answer. So let's get back to the clip. And I'm going to go down to talk with him next week, play a little golf in Florida. And I said, Mr. President, uh, this MAGA movement needs to continue. Uh, we need to unite the party. Trump plus is the way back in 2022. Freeze it. Yes, he did say Trump plus in 2022. And let me say this. I'm going to put it on record right now on the Sunday side I review that I, I honestly believe that the Democrats are going to do better in 2022 than a lot of people think. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that, hey, we only got seven Republicans to vote for conviction of what we all saw. And I, I call January 6th like Rodney King tape point uh, 2.0. And basically what you have is the Republican Party. They're like the semi-valley of uh, counties or juries right now. So that's what we have. But again, I don't want to interrupt uh, Lindsey Graham. Like I said, Mr. Schmolet himself hated it. But let's get back to the video. Uh, he's mad at some folks, but I understand that. My goal is to win in 2022 to stop the most radical agenda I've seen coming out of the Democratic uh, presidency of Joe Biden. We can't do that without Donald Trump, so he's ready to hit the trail, and I'm ready to work with him. Well, let me ask you about one person that he might be mad at, and tell me if he is or he isn't, <laughs> Mitch McConnell, who, who made a, 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 a yeah. curious speech yesterday in which he basically yeah. said the president is guilty, but that uh, the, the yeah. Senate doesn't have the power to, uh, to convict, to act against a former president. Yeah. Freeze it. Now, this is where I want to stop this tape, because you just heard your, uh, Chris Wallace and you heard the comments that I played at the beginning of the show from Mitch McConnell. Now, what's, what's really important here, and, and I really have to get this out because these are some of the complaints that I, I hear from the smart dumb, cat, dumb cats and, you know, those, the, the, the two black for BET crowd. When they talk about the, the impeachment trial and it being a waste of time and we need to get on to bigger things, those things are all possible during this current impeachment trial. But let's never forget, and I do mean never forget, that it was Mitch McConnell when the Democrats have yet to take over and Joe Biden had yet to be inaugurated and the new administration had yet 
to be changed over. He made the Senate rules. Yes, remember this. He made the Senate rules to have it, what, the day before the inauguration. Because if you go back, and again, for you smart dunk cats out there, and you know who you are, you know who I'm talking about, for you trying to play that little game of whining or hating from the hinderlands type, the rules were set up by Mitch McConnell, and he did this because the Democrats had the articles of impeachment on the 10th. Remember, this incident happened on January the 6th. The Democrats had articles of impeachment ready on the 10th. But let me move on. I, and believe me, that will be another episode and another uh, topic for discussion on the Politically Petty Podcast show. But again, let us move on. Uh, what did he think of McConnell's speech? What did you think of McConnell's speech? Well, number one, I was a bit surprised, but I heard this in 1998. I was, I've been in three of the four impeachments. I, I'm sorry about that, but uh, the bottom line, in 1998, you had a lot of Democrats acquit Clinton, but got on the floor and, say, and said how bad he was. So, you know, Nancy Pelosi called us all cowards. I don't think most Republicans care what she thinks. And I think Senator McConnell's speech, he got a load off his chest, obviously. But unfortunately, he put a load on the back of Republicans. That speech you will see in 2022 campaigns, I would imagine if you're a Republican. Freeze it. Now, did you hear what Lindsey Graham said? Now, I have been saying the same thing, I don't know, since the impeachment trial started, because we all knew, and let's be honest, we all knew the outcome of the impeachment trial. We knew that Republicans didn't have the guts. I think they needed, what, 16, 17 to come over to the Democratic side? Yeah, 17. And we all knew that they didn't have the guts to do it. But the seven that we did get, the, again, those things are significant, but what Lindsey understands is that what, what Mitch McConnell did, he gave the Democrats everything they needed. He basically gave us our truth, but only from his mouth. You know, he he's their, uh, I guess you could say, their Jessica Lee Peterson, their, their Thomas Sowell, their Walter Williams, like, oh, he said it, so it must be true. Oh, yeah, see, again, Democrats, you stay on code. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you here. I'm going to tell you how to deal with these Gilligas because you use their words against them. Just like they used to play that shit against us. Oh, now it's, them, it's time for them to talk to their communities. Hey, listen to your leaders. Mitch McConnell said it, but uh, let's move on. Republican running in uh, Arizona or Georgia or New Hampshire where we have a chance to take back the Senate. They may be playing Senator McConnell's speech and asking you about it as a candidate. And you're I imagine right. if you're an incumbent Republican... There are going to be people asking you, will you support Senator McConnell in the future? So Freeze it. I, I'm not the kind to say I told you so, but I kind of just did like maybe, what, seven, ten seconds ago, but let us move on. I like him, Senator McConnell. He worked well with President Trump. I think his speech is an outlier regarding how Republicans feel about all this. No, it's not. I thought the impeachment trial was not only unconstitutional. I condemn what happened on January the 6th. But the process they used to impeach this president was an affront to rule of law. He's the first president to ever impeached, be impeached without a lawyer, without a witness, without the ability to confront the, those against him. And Freeze it. And, and the only reason why I froze it, because did you hear what he said? Without a witness or without a lawyer? You see how they just throw that shit out there? And again, we're going to leave all that back in between 2016 and 2020. Okay? So... Let me get back, but you see how to just throw that out there and hope that there's nobody like me that can actually say, oh, no, that's not actually what happened here, but let us move on. 
The trial record was a complete joke, hearsay upon hearsay, and we've opened Pandora's box to future presidents. And if you use this model, I don't know how Kamala Harris doesn't get impeached if the Republicans take over the House because she actually bailed out rioters and one of the rioters went back to the streets and broke somebody's head open. So we've opened Pandora's box here and I'm sad for the country. Freeze it. Now you see what just happened, right? You, you see their next target. Kamala, as I say, Kamala. Kamala Harris. And they're gonna try to play the, oh, she bailed. And if you, again, for those who actually pay attention, we're talking about Michael Bloomberg along with a lot of other celebrities. And I wanna say it was down in the state of Florida in which they had protests, and I do remember not only it was about Black Lives Matter protests, but it was also about, in the state of Florida, they were able to pass a amendment or a law in which people who served their time in prison, did their crime and did their time, should be eligible to vote again. Actually, the people in the state of Florida passed that amendment or law, and guess what the Republican legislator in the state of Florida did? They decided not to honor the vote of the people. And these are the, again, this is the background of a lot of things that I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to get you hip to the correct information. Because you know the busters are out there. You know the bags are out there. The little wannabe black Democrats, black night Democrats, we call them bags. B-A-G, black and goofy. But uh, let me not get off on a rant, and let's move on. Does Donald Trump bear any responsibility for the attack on the Capitol on January 6th? Uh, no, in terms of the law. Uh, no. Did you hear that? Let's move on. I, I don't. It, it's Lindsey Graham. Let's move on. Oh, no, he bears responsibility of pushing narratives about the election that I think are not sound and not true. But this was politically protected speech, the speech on January the 6th was not an incitement to violence. I had to freeze it. It was politically protective speech. Now, do you understand what he just tried to get away with? Basically, Lindsey Graham and the Republican Party are basically saying, even if we lie, even if we just say complete bullshit, it's politically protected speech. It's like they're trying to have a different category outside of the First Amendment. There's the First Amendment, and then there's bullshit. What are we going to call it? Like, First Amendment 1.2? You know, First Amendment 2.0 is like freaking First Amendment old duels. I mean, really, folks. But you heard that. Just had to point that out. Let's move on. Violence. Every politician has used the word fight, fight hard. So I don't think the, he caused the riot. His behavior after the election was over the top. There was a pre-planned element to this attack, um, um, Mr. Wallace, that we need to look at. Did Nancy freeze it? Now you you see what he just tried to do there. There was a pre-planned element to this attack, and what they're going to try to do is play the what one guy who was from Antifa, which it was probably some buster ass, you know, Gilligan like the brother down in Georgia that became a Democrat and decided to uh, body surf at a MAGA event type? I mean, really. First of all, the fact that you're, what, in Antifa and among, what, three to 400,000 MAGA fools means you probably a fool off the giddy. But, again, you see what they're trying to do. It might not have been MAGA guys. It might have been Antifa. Yeah, that one guy. I mean, let's just say five. Let's, no, let's say 10 out of 300 
400,000 people. But let us move on. See Pelosi, Pelosi know on January the 5th that there was a threat to the Capitol. What did President Trump do after the attack? We need a 9-11 commission to find out what happened to make sure it never happens again. And I now, I want to freeze that. Now, Lindsey Graham is talking about a 9-11 commission. But don't believe the hype, folks. This is like their little mild concession, like, oh, we're going to investigate this. And believe me, Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, the Kevin McCarthy's of the world in the House, they're going to do every single thing possible to try to stop that investigation. They're going to do every single thing possible to really not get down to the nitty-gritty. I mean, the people that need to testify, like the Sergeant, uh, the Sergeant General, uh, Sergeant of Orange from the uh, House and the Senate, the people that need to, you need to know, like, who told you to stand down? Who told you not to call the National Guard? Who told you not to have sufficient enough people to guard the Capitol? Because, I don't know, we got mega fools coming in town. And it's like 300 to 400,000 of them. We might need to have something a little different than the freaking Monday through Friday security setup. But let us move on. That's a different episode, believe me, and a different story. Now, I want to make sure that uh, the Capitol footprint uh, can be better defended next time. So I want to look at what Pelosi knew when she knew it, what President Trump did after the attack. And on the Senate side, was Senate leadership informed of a threat? So there was a pre-planned element to this attack, totally unconnected with his speech. Well, and I thought the, the well, managers let, let me... failed miserably in making the case. Don't see. Did you see? He tried to play totally unconnected with the speech. See, he's trying to suggest that, well, there were people that were going to show up before the Stop the Steal rally. Like, oh, yeah, we were just here to just see the monuments, and, oh, but we had on our mega shit. Don't buy it, folks, but listen to Chris Wallace, because he's going to ask the questions that you and I are going to ask. And, again, this is a guy on Fox. This isn't, like, lamestream media. This isn't me making shit up. This isn't send digital media, you know, have clipped shit. These are the words from the people. Let, let, let's pick up on something that you specifically uh, talked about. Let's look at the timeline of what happened that day, especially mm -hmm. after the riot began. At 2.24, the president tweets, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. Two minutes later, at 2.26, the president speaks to Senator Tommy Tuberville, who tells him Vice President Pence has been evacuated from the Senate. Mm -hmm. Around that time, the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, calls the president pleading with him to, mm -hmm. to do whatever he can to call off the, the rioters uh, when the president says he thinks that it was actually Antifa that was involved. McCarthy told Republican Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler that uh, he had to persuade the president it was his own folks who did it. Take, take a look at this exchange. These are your people. You know, they have MAGA hats on. And the president's response to him was, well, Kevin, I guess they're just more concerned about this election uh, than you are. Freeze it. And again, this is a Republican saying this. This isn't something that I made up. This isn't something in the lamestream media. This isn't MSNBC. Democrats, I I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to continue to push this. Stay on code. 
I can get you there. I'm telling you, if you're a Democratic candidate right now, you're like, Glenn, I need some help. GW, I need a, I need oppo research on my side. I need a way to do what Republicans do to Democrats. I'm your guy, but let us move on. What does that tell you, Senator, about how the president viewed the riot while it was happening? doesn't tell me a whole lot because oh it's all God. hearsay. Uh, why don't we have a 9-11 investigation? I think it's at 228 he told people to be peaceful. He tweeted out several times at 4 o'clock he did a video basically to be peaceful and leave. Could President done more? Yeah. Did he incite this riot uh, by his speech? Absolutely not. If Donald Trump's speech is going to be seen as incitement by a politician to call violence, about every Democrat and Republican up here is in trouble. But I'd like to know that. I'd like to know, did the Capitol Hill police inform the House Sergeant in Arms and the Senate Sergeant in Arms the day before the attack that they needed more troops? So I want to look at all of it. Sen Senator, I, I wanted to pick up on that because, and the question of the president's personal responsibility, whether it was legal or not, whether his personal responsibility, mm -hmm. here's what you said on January 7th, the day after the riot. It breaks my heart that my friend, a president of a consequence, would allow yesterday to happen. And it will be a major part of his presidency. When it comes to accountability, the president needs to understand that his actions were the problem, not the solution. Freeze it. Now, Lindsey Graham made those comments on January the 7th. Remember, the domestic attack, the insurrection, the MAGA maggot million, whatever, riot, it happened on January the 6th. These were the comments made on January the 7th. The comments that he made today on February the 14th. You're talking about a Caitlyn Jenner. You're talking about switching up, but I'm not going to get fired up. Let us move on. His actions were the problem, uh, allowed the riot to happen. It sure sounds like you're saying that he violated his, his oath of office. No shit. No, I think what he did is he encouraged supporters throughout the country to fight like hell to take back an election that he thought was stolen. A lot of I got a freezer right there. Take back an election that he thought, thought was stolen. And people never forget. There were 139 members of the Republican House that decided to overturn your vote. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever, ever, ever forget that. And they were going to overturn the votes in four states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Don't ever forget that. That's how much they are about that life. And, and when you think about it, if Donald Trump had a way, if there was a way that he could have turned the, the attorney general in Georgia to say, yes, let's find those, what did he say, 11,780 votes. Got the little hooker on tape saying it, 11,780 votes. And just think, had that guy been a MAGA guy and say, you know what, you're right, Donald Trump would be in the office today. And they would have been a lot of, matter of fact, I don't know, 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. Let's say 64 would have been down with it. We might have had a civil war because we know that it's wrong. But again, I'm going to get through this. I also have a Jonathan Capehart clip that I want to play for you that 
pretty much summarizes what we need to do, what Democrats need to do, the reality of this impeachment trial, and what we can possibly do moving forward. So let's let's finish with Lindsey, and then we're going to finish with Jan- Jonathan Capehart. Politicians have said that on January the 7th, he wasn't impeached. The guy was impeached within 48 hours. He didn't have a lawyer, no evidence gathered. The speech of January the 6th is politically protected speech, in my view, did not cause the riot. It doesn't represent the 74 million people who supported him. This will be part of his historical record of the Trump presidency. But Democrats... I'm going to freeze it right there because I'm I'm getting more sick of Lindsey Graham the more I listen to him. But you heard it. And and this is another thing. And, and, And people, again, listen to me. When they talk that 74 million that voted for Donald Trump, remind them, seven more million voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. That's right. I mean, they act as if they they still on the same level as the Democrats, as if they didn't take an L, as if they didn't lose the election, as if we still got to come to them. This is where the Democrats need to stay on code. Y'all, the, the, the shit fires me up because I, I hope, and, and I, I kind of feel it because I, I see where Joe Biden, in his essence, wants, in his character, is to be a unified guy. And Joe Biden's character is to negotiate and try to listen to the other side, see what they have to say, and maybe there's something that we can find. There's a gray area. But I think that Joe and the Democrats realize, after those eight years of dealing with uh, the Republicans during Barack Obama years, that these people just can't be talked to. They just can't be reasoned with. And what you saw during this impeachment trial is just another example of the Republican Party, and more quite honestly, if you look back at the history, conservatives doing what? Defending the indefensible. So what I want to do, I want to get to Jonathan Capehart's uh, segment. And for many of you, if you uh, followed AM Joy, Jonathan Capehart, he has a Sunday show. It's actually really good. I mean, it's really good. Tiffany Cross took over on the Saturday for Joy Reid because Joy moved to Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock. And, of course, I'm a Joy Reid fan. But I want you to listen to this of Jonathan Capehart, and we're going to end the show. But uh, I think it's significant what he had to say, and uh, listen up. Two years ago, in the middle of the longest federal government, shu- federal government shutdown in U.S. history, Norman Vig, a political science professor at my alma mater, Carleton College, sent me a poem written in despair about then-President Donald Trump. He called it, Then We Knew. First, we thought he would never be a serious candidate. Then we thought he would never get the nomination. Then we thought he would never win the election. Then we thought he would become presidential. Then we thought the generals would protect us. Then we thought Bob Mueller would save us. Then we thought the Democrats would impeach him. Then we thought the Republicans would abandon him. Then we thought he could never be reelected. Then we thought the Constitution would save us. Then we stopped thinking. Then we knew. Professor Vig wrote that poem a year before Trump's first impeachment and Senate acquittal in 2020. And I've been thinking about it since Trump's second impeachment last month and his Senate acquittal yesterday. Yes, the Constitution did save us this time because Mike Pence refused to do the bidding of an anti-constitutional, authoritarian, and defeated chief executive. 
And despite a violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol that could have led to his death and the deaths of members of Congress, Pence and the men and women of the House and Senate did their constitutional duty and certified the election of President Joe Biden. Yes, the Constitution saved us. But yesterday's acquittal doesn't mean that American democracy is safe. Yesterday's not guilty verdict means there are no consequences for inciting an insurrection against a co-equal branch of government. And if a president can't be held accountable for that, then the impeachment clause of the Constitution is useless, and a president is beyond the reach of accountability. No, we're not there yet. But we will be if people of conscience, especially Democrats, wallow in cynicism over things like the House impeachment managers not calling witnesses. Folks need to see the forest for the trees. Don't forget, the New York Attorney General and Manhattan District Attorney are looking at any number of Trump-related financial improprieties. The Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney is looking into Trump's interference there in the 2020 election. And don't forget about E. Jean Carroll's defamation suit, the one that could compel Trump to testify and maybe even give a DNA sample. He said her allegation of rape 20 years earlier, revealed in her 2019 book, was, quote, fiction. But it's not enough to pray for Trump to face real legal consequences. Saving our democracy demands that we vote with the passion and in the numbers that we did last November. Democrats must hold the House and the Senate in 2022. For if they don't, the Republican Party of Trump will run our democracy right into the ground. Hey, I want to thank everybody for joining me on this edition of the Sunday Side Eye Review. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm going to continue to come with facts with the truth. I'll tell you where to get it from. I'll tell you where to look for it. And I'll give you the words right out of their mouth. But hey, I appreciate you joining me this Sunday. I'm going to see you Monday, tomorrow. I'm going to see you Wednesday, Friday. And I tell you what, if things happen the way it's supposed to, you're going to see a lot more of me. I'm going to be on TV. I'm on TV, y'all. I'm on camera, ma. Come look at me. It's the Political Petty Podcast Show. I am your host, GW. I appreciate you joining me, and good night.